Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. Hey, everyone. Before we get to the episode, I want to take a moment to address the June 24th Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. The decision has already stripped away the legal right to have a safe and legal abortion in many states across the nation. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all Americans. The decision could also lead to the loss of other rights. To learn more about what you can do to help, go to choice.crd.co. I encourage you to speak up, take care, and spread the word. All right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, it is a movie we didn't even really know was coming until like a month ago, uh, but now it's available on Paramount Plus, and I had a great time with it. It's Beavis and Butthead Do the Universe, and uh, it's the return of Beavis and Butthead. I mean, what's not to love? They're so much fun, and uh, Mike Judge and a whole bunch of his regulars are back for this. And joining me to talk about it is returning co-host Josh Bell from Awesome Movie Year, which, by the way, is starting up its 12th season right now. Uh, it is on the films of 1992. We've got a lot of great episodes coming of Awesome Movie Year. So if you enjoy what we do here on Piecing It Together, make sure to check out Awesome Movie Year 2. Uh, and also, while you're at it, make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you like what we do, rate and review us. Five stars would be nice. And don't forget to follow us on social media at Piecing Pod. So, let's talk about Beavis and Butthead Do the Universe. All right, Josh Bell is with us, and we're going to talk about Beavis and Butthead Do the Universe. Josh, how's it going? Oh, I, I was going to try to do some sort of Beavis and Butthead impression there, and then I just thought better of it. So, yeah, we, we could have just started fine, the episode Nick. giggling. It would have been fine. You know, yeah, we didn't have to, though. I know. can't. I'm sure when I was like uh, 15 years old or something, I was doing beavis and butthead impressions with my friends all the time and it was probably very annoying so well, one of my best it. friends shannon spar actually looked and sounded exactly like butthead and that was like at the time that beavis and butthead came out and it was awesome he was great i love shannon i i mean i hope he that's not like a nice thing to say about somebody like you look and sound exactly like butthead that's an insult he, he, he grew up to be a a, a nice charming man so okay. you know it's, right. it's okay so, right. Fair um, enough. but yeah so i i'm assuming you were a big fan of beavis and butthead I, I, it's probably come up before on the show and the many times you've been on i'd imagine at some point uh yeah it may have but if not yes i was a huge fan of beavis and butthead this was one of my absolute favorite things when I was a teenager, um, because I, I'm sure we've talked about, if not Beavis and Butthead, like 90s era 
MTV animation, like Eon sure. Flux and the Max yeah. and everything on liquid television. I was super, super into all that stuff. And also I was really into all the music that Beavis and Butthead liked. Yeah. I owned and still own ACDC and Metallica t-shirts. Oh, yeah. Um, and oh yeah, I remember buying the, the Beavis and Butthead experience, the like CD that they put out that wasn't, it wasn't a soundtrack to anything. It was just, this was how popular they were, right? It was just like Beavis and Butthead sponsor an album and yeah, it has a bunch of or something. right right yeah. it had like I remember it had like a previously unreleased Nirvana song like that's how much clout Beavis and Butthead had they yeah. got this new Nirvana song and they did a duet with Cher and mm. I'm sure I still have that CD somewhere I'm sure um yeah. so yes I was a huge huge fan of them yeah, me too. Absolutely love them. Uh, also, the computer game. There's like a virtual reality game oh. thing. Like it wasn't in virtual reality. It was like they go to virtual reality, something like that. But uh, yeah, absolutely love Beavis and Butthead. Just randomly before this was ever like announced or anything, uh, randomly rewatched uh, Beavis and Butthead Do America for the first time in forever. Like I don't know, like four months ago or something like that. Six months ago, and uh, really loved revisiting that. I thought it was great. And uh, yeah, this movie, I'm. Super excited to talk about it. I mean, I thought it was much better than I would have expected. You know, it being a streaming release that just kind of was announced like a month ago or something like that. Right. And then all of a sudden here it is like, uh, you know, you kind of don't really have that high expectations going in. But um, I, I'd say it like more than anything that I could have expected out of a 2022 Beavis and Butthead movie. Yeah, I think maybe I mistakenly expected a little more from it that even though mm. it was just announced a month ago and it's clearly just like some rushed streaming thing that Paramount Plus needs to shore up their subscriptions or whatever. I, I Watching the trailer and seeing the title that obviously references Beavis and Butthead Do America, I think I was hoping for something a bit more expansive, a bit bigger. I mean, I haven't seen do America in a while, but I remember it feel, you know, it feels like a real movie. It was something that you went to see in the theater and it warranted being in the theater. And yeah. I think that's what I was hoping for from this. And this doesn't really deliver on that front, but just as like a little fun Beavis and Butthead thing. Yeah. I, I was laughing the whole time. I'm still highly amused by their dumb antics. And mm -hmm. so I enjoyed it. I think I was hoping for, for something greater uh, maybe more of a Mike Judge vision. Um, I think watching this and for whatever reason, maybe because it was announced so quickly, like all of the early reports about it said, oh, written and directed by Mike Judge, which it was not. Um, mm. And I'm sure he has a big hand in it. He is one of the writers and although he's not the director, but it, it felt less like he has this cool new vision for a movie and more like he was in the room when they made the movie. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Well, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. And yeah, I would say like, even if it doesn't feel necessarily like another full fledged movie, it feels like a really good three part episode of the show. And yeah. I'm, I'm on board with that idea. That, yeah, that's, that's good. That's certainly enough. true. Yeah. Yeah. So let's start getting into some puzzle pieces here and uh, we'll, we'll get into what works and what doesn't work along the way. But what do you have for your first piece? Well, I, my first piece is a TV show, which I think appropriately for this feeling, just like some episodes of a TV show. And that is Rick and Morty the uh, animated show that I think is quite influenced by Beavis and Butthead. Absolutely. And, and, you know, obviously so much time has gone on that now things that were influenced by Beavis and Butthead and by Mike Judge come back to influence him. And the idea of these 
really like terrible people who have access to sci-fi time travel and space travel and all that kind of stuff and just create havoc and chaos and make things worse with every little thing that they do, um, you know, is a big part of that. Obviously, Rick and Morty, the characters are smarter than Beavis and Butthead. I mean, uh, Rick, the the inventor grandfather is obviously like super smart because he invents sure. all this stuff, but he is no more like morally upstanding <laughs> than yeah, Beavis sure. and Butthead. Um, and, and even Morty, the, the, the grandson who's sort of the voice of reason doesn't really do that very effectively. And there is that dynamic here sort of that they play up a little more in this movie of Beavis is the slight, like, wait a minute, you know, to a very tiny degree. No, so, very tiny degree. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, very tiny degree. Um, and Rick and Morty is more interested in like actual sci-fi sort of mind bending ideas. Whereas this is really just a tool for Beavis and Butthead to say dumb stuff. Um, yeah. but, but I can, you can definitely see that Rick and Morty influence here. Yeah, absolutely. And the fact that Rick and Morty became like so incredibly popular over those last like 10 years or whatever, you know, it really did feel like the current, you know, version of what Beavis and Butthead was in the nineties and just everybody quoting it all to each other. Uh, I, I think that's, that's a great piece to throw in there. I'll go for my first piece, uh, and I'm going to go with the Hal Ashby film Being There, 1979, right. Peter Sellers. Just this simple guy just bumbling his way upwards through life, and uh, everybody around him just, for whatever reason, just assuming the best in him and just kind of helping to facilitate him making his way into these new and better and higher society situations. And here we've got Beavis and Butthead uh, just somehow just dumbing their way through everything until the fact that they're actually working on a space station. And it's just, it's such a funny way for a character to make their way through a movie. Um, as far as being there is concerned, we actually used it as a puzzle piece a couple of years ago on an American Pickle, that Seth Rogen movie, which Ugh. wasn't as good, but, no. uh, you know, similar though, trajectory though, for a character of just kind of like everybody around them for whatever reason, just is assuming the best in them and not paying attention to what's really going on and uh, helping them continue forward in this ridiculous journey that they're on. Yeah, weirdly, I think American an American pickle could be a puzzle piece too, and it's it's, it's yeah. bad. But but we've got the sort of idiotic, inconsiderate guy from the past who comes into the present and bumbles into success, but is also still just as ignorant and um malicious or i mean that guy's a racist and, and sure. Beavis and butthead are not racist but yeah <laughs> um, all of that stuff that uh that that comes up but i bet i'm sure seth rogan was a big beavis and butthead fan oh absolutely yeah definitely and uh yeah i i think uh the fact that they wrote this movie around the idea of this being 1998's Beavis and Butthead. And it's not just like, oh, what happens in 2022 when they've aged or they just happen to already, you know, still be around. You know, I think that's kind of brilliant, you know, that they don't know about cell phones or anything else that's happened in the last like 20 years or so. And I think that's a great way to bring them into the current age. Right. And it keeps some like weird kind of innocence. I know I've seen a lot of commentary about this movie on the idea that if these characters were from 2022, they wouldn't be 
harmless. They would be uh, on message boards sharing racist memes and preparing to storm the Capitol on January 6th. So, uh, I don't think that. I don't I, I don't want to give those people that much credit. They're not as smart as Beavis and Pie. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. But, but you're right. It, it does keep something pure about them yeah. um, to, to bring the 90s versions of them forward into the present day. Yeah, absolutely. What do you got for your next one? Well, speaking of dumb people traveling forward in time, I'm going to pick Mike Judge's Idiocracy. Obviously, it's, you know, maybe a cop out to pick something by the same creator. But Mike Judge is is nothing if a guy who has some very common themes in his work that he returns to over and over again. And that's fine. Um, But especially that where you have Luke Wilson's character, who is not as dumb as Beavis and Butthead, but is certainly not smart and finds himself in this baffling future. And the future of idiocracy, on the one hand, is obviously much more ridiculous than the real future of 2022. But on the other hand, we've seen men, you know, it's very common to reference how we are living in idiocracy in many ways here in 2022. And I think sure. the character uh, of Serena Ryan, the astronaut turned governor of Texas, played by Andrea Savage in this movie, is that kind of ridiculous like self-involved uh amoral politician that um you know is maybe not quite the same as idiocracy but certainly something that we see referenced in relation to those dystopian kinds of stories where she is more that she has no qualms about killing teenagers to help you know maintain her image or further her political career and never seems to regret anything about that at all I love Idiocracy as a puzzle piece. I'm just going to like jump right on top there uh, and combine with Idiocracy another piece here, and that's going to be South Park. Um, I haven't rewatched many old Beavis and Buttheads in a long time, but I don't recall so many social issues being a part of Beavis and Butthead. I mean, you know, we've got a, a really great send up of white privilege in this. Uh, we, we've got, like you were just talking about with the, uh, you know, po- political corruption. Uh, there's a lot of like men and women relationship issues and stuff like that in this movie. I, I feel like in a way that South Park is known for with bringing these kinds of issues up in every episode, I feel like we're kind of getting that kind of commentary into a show that you know maybe wouldn't have had that kind of stuff in the past it's a fun way to uh you know to bring it into the 21st century because you kind of need a little something more you know otherwise it's just a cartoon and so here we're actually getting something of a little bit more substance yeah i mean i think you're right that there wasn't maybe as much social commentary in beavis and butthead in the past but i think they're not like one thing about south park and i haven't watched it in a long time either but i one reason I think I stopped watching South Park was that this became a bunch of heavy-handed social commentary all the time. Oh, yeah. And it just got really tiresome. And and I think this is something that's handled, that, that whole white privilege sequence in this movie is very funny because, yeah, sure, it comments on white privilege, but it's also very much a Beavis and Butthead thing, that it could have yes. easily just been something else. It's not making a very strong political point. It's just showing you how Beavis and Butthead react to some current concept that we have yeah. in 2022. Um <laughs> So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I liked obviously South Park is another thing that was probably I mean, it came out around the same time, maybe or slightly later. But I'm sure the the influence of it getting on the air and, you know, being greenlit and becoming a phenomenon was was part of, you know, thanks to the success of Beavis and Butthead and, and certainly its influence there. Yeah. Um, also, South Park uh, currently has a bunch of quote movies on paramount plus that i think are really just like long episodes and are are not they're like 45 minutes long or something and they, they call them movies and and that is yeah. wrong 
Yeah. <laughs> we do not stand for that here. No, no content. No. Uh, I, I, I will say also uh, to the point of it not trying to get too heavy with, with any kind of messaging or anything like that. Uh, this is maybe a slightly different point, but I, I just love how the goal is constantly being reduced. Like from the portal being on Mount Everest to it's over there behind that building. Like that, that's just such a great Beavis and Butthead way to approach plot. You know, it's just uh, it's great. Right. And that is hilarious. And then, of course, they even when it's right over there in the building, they don't it's not even like they decide not to go. They yeah. don't even register the existence <laughs> of it. These these, you know, uh, alternate universe beings show up and say, you know, you must save the world and go to this portal. And they don't even say like, oh, saving the world is dumb. They just yeah. are like, oh, what did he say? Oh, who cares? You know, yeah. <laughs> even when the portal at the end of the movie, the portal is in the bathroom, like five feet away. They're yeah, they still don't bother going. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love it. So funny. Yeah. Uh, what do you got for your next piece? Uh, so my next piece is another uh, long later revival of a pair of iconic idiot characters. And that is Bill and Ted face the music. On the my recent, list as well. Yeah. Yep. The recent sequel to the Bill and Ted movies and Bill and Ted are much. They're not. Maybe they are slightly smarter than Beavis and Butthead, but mm. they're much nicer. One of the great sure. things about the Bill and Ted movies, all of the Bill and Ted movies is just how like warm and positive Bill and yeah. Ted are about everything. And so in that sense, they're the opposite of Beavis and Butthead. But there is also in that movie, I mean, it, it involves a lot of time traveling and alternate universes and all that kind of stuff. And the characters in their own weird way, reflecting on how things have changed for mm -hmm. them and in the world. And, and we get that a bit in this movie. Again, one of the things that I, I kind of liked and was surprising is that there was this tiny, 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 tiny bit of character development for Beavis, where he's sure. actually sort of reflecting on his own emotions and how he might want to fall in love. And it's in the context of him being incredibly stupid and thinking that he's talking to a person when he talks to Siri, the virtual mm -hmm. assistant, uh, and or thinking that Serena wants to do it with him or or yeah. to fall in love with him but it then becomes about friendship it's about beavis and butthead caring about each other which is something that bill and ted is always about between them so uh i know it's weird to ascribe some sort of emotional content to a beavis and butthead movie but i thought it was the perfect amount just like the the social commentary there's enough of it that you're like oh there's something here but they still react to it in a very beavis and butthead way yeah, and that's uh, all of that is exactly why, like, even if it does feel like a long episode of the show, it's a really good long episode of the show. And th there's enough there that, like, really makes it worthwhile. And yeah, li like I said, Bill and Ted Face the Music's on my list as well. I mean, there's so much of this that, you know, feels a lot like that. I mean, they end up in the future, they end up in prison, alternate versions of themselves, like, all that stuff that's happening in Face the Music as well. Um, and then as to just that, you know, their, their friendship and all that, I mean, you know, one line that I wrote, there's so many funny lines in this, but when, uh, Butthead's making fun of Beavis for, for being in love with Serena and he's like, Oh, Serena, I don't have a boner. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I mean, that just brought me back to me and my dumb friends in the nineties for sure. Yeah. But on the <laughs> other hand, that actually expresses a semi-complex idea about love being more than just being horny for someone. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot going on up there. Yes. You know? <laughs> well, uh, I'll go to another one here. And this is one that's even sort of name-checked in the movie. Uh, and that's Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. That cartoon Spider-Man movie is, uh, as put by the future alternate universe 
Beavis. Uh, but, you know, th there's a lot of multiverse stuff going on in here. We we're just talking about it there with Bill and Ted. But right now, multiverses are so big. And so it seems almost like inevitable that that's the direction this would have taken, not just going to space as the the uh, the title implies. But of course, there's going to be portals opening to different times and different uh, versions of the character and all that kind of stuff. So I, I feel like Spider-Verse is like, it just basically started a trend that's not going to slow down anytime soon. And so we've got it here. Yeah, I had that on my list as well. And certainly that is not only just referenced by the characters, but also um, a big influence on this and, and other movies. And I, I suppose we should just be grateful that this isn't uh, some sort of Paramount Plus IP extravaganza and they don't sure. travel to like South Park or something in this movie. That's true. It could have very easily happened yes. and uh, everyone would have loved it. But yeah, um, you but know. I wouldn't have. It would <laughs> yeah, have been bad and I'm glad they didn't do it. Me too. So what do you got for your next piece? Uh, well, my next piece is a, a Disney movie called Flight of the Navigator that uh, I loved as a kid, probably, you know, three or four years before I started loving Beavis and Butthead. And sure. it, I haven't seen it probably since I was a kid, but it was definitely a movie that I was probably watched numerous times. And it is about a 12 year old kid who is, I'm sure more mature than Beavis and Butthead and, and smarter. Um, but who ends up sort of stumbling on this, this cool spaceship with a navigator robot voiced by uh, Paul Rubens and mm. travels through space and then through time and ends up in the future. He disappears. And when he returns to Earth, it's like, I forget how long, 10, 15 something years later. And this movie came out in, I don't know, 1986 or something like that. And so it starts in the 70s and he travels to 1986 and he's baffled by current pop culture. The, one of the bits I always remember is that he's, he's, you know, captured by NASA or whatever, and he's put in this this uh, containment place and Sarah Jessica Parker plays the like kind, uh, I don't know what, some assistant or whatever who helps him out. And she tells him she went to a Twisted Sister concert and he's Ooh, like, nice. Twisted Sister, who's she? And of course she <laughs> has to explain all about Twisted Sister. Nice. The pinnacle of 1980s pop culture right there. Oh, um, that ties into Beavis and Butthead right there. Exactly, sure. exactly. So, um, but you know, the, the idea of this immature kid becoming part of this grand, uh, you know, conspiracy thing and the government trying to capture him and all that. And, and, and flight of the navigator is a Disney movie. So it's got lessons about family and whatever. And, and again, I haven't seen it in so long. It's probably very bad, but it certainly stuck with me as a kid. And, and Paul Rubens is the wacky, like ship navigator who, and it had really cool special effects for the 1980s with this metallic ship going on and everything. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I haven't seen that since I was a kid either, but, uh, I, I I don't know. I imagine it might be fun in a weird, you know, 80s weirdness kind of way. Yeah, maybe it is. I couldn't I couldn't say for sure either way, but certainly Kid Me loved that yeah. movie. <laughs> nice. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, and they certainly go on on some, uh, you know, it, it gets very weird as it continues going on. I mean, everything with the alternate universe, Beavis and Butthead and time portals and outer space and governments after them and wants to re-kill them basically you know <laughs> right. like it, it just it gets it gets odd and i mean i guess when you're dealing with time travel it has to get odd like that's where things are gonna go right although i feel like you know going back to when i was talking about rick and morty like it doesn't get nearly as odd as it could have 
You know, sure. it definitely yeah. feels like you watch Rick and Morty and you think the creators of Rick and Morty are really into this like nerdy sci-fi stuff. And yeah. you watch this and you think Mike Judge just wanted some excuse to put Beavis and Butthead in the present. And this is what they came up with. The ending hints that it could have went in that direction, but then they must have decided, eh, let's not do that. Let's just throw it at the very, very end right before the credits roll. And that'll, that'll right be it. with that yeah. whole weird, like gathering of alternate Beavis and Buttheads. Yeah. Versions yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully we don't get that movie. That's not necessary. But, no, um, no. I'll go to another piece here. I, uh, you, you talked about it earlier with Beavis, uh, being in love with, uh, Siri on his phone because he thinks it's Serena he's talking to. And I thought about Spike Jones's her, uh, with walking yeah. Phoenix and his OS that he is in love with. And it's nothing much more than that as far as the comparison goes, but there's so much, you know, funny stuff, uh, that comes out of that relationship with the phone. And my favorite part of the whole movie, uh, is, you know, aside from that whole love relationship is when they find out they can buy things with the phone yeah. and what do they choose to buy? Just nachos. various incarnations of nachos. Yes. <laughs> Amazing sequence. Uh, definitely my maybe my fun, biggest laugh of the year. Honestly, like I that whole sequence is just ridiculous. Yeah, and I think like I don't know. Maybe I had forgotten that their love of nachos is one of the like essential elements of Beavis and Butthead. You remember uh -huh. their love of heavy metal and and scoring, but nachos are like right up there. Yeah. So that was a fun reminder. And Butthead on the phone asking room service if the nachos come with a side of nachos. <laughs> just so <laughs> silly, but very entertaining. I feel a kinship because, uh, you know, as we know, I'm, I'm a keto guy, but, uh, when I decide to have cheat days, it's almost always for nachos. So, that's yeah. a, that's a worthy choice. Are there some, yeah. is there some awful version of keto nachos that you can eat? There's good versions, but they take uh. a lot of work. You can't just go get them anywhere. You have to like make every last element of the nachos and it's a pain in the ass. Yeah. So, doesn't yeah. Seem to yeah. No. <laughs> All right. What do you got for your next one? So I'm going to go to another 1980s family sci-fi movie, and that is Space Camp, which is also a movie that I haven't seen in a very, very long time. Sure. But the concept of the kids who are at the space camp somehow going into space and facing a crisis, um, much more serious probably than this movie. Sure. Um, but the same basic idea. And I think when when you and uh, my awesome movie year co-host Jason Harris had done an episode about Apollo 10 and a half, I yeah. had mentioned this to Jason and you ended up talking about it. Um, and I almost picked Apollo 10 and a half as a puzzle piece for this, but um, I'm sure those were concurrently being created. Um, sure. But Richard Linklater and Mike Judge, both from Austin, Texas, I'm sure... Yeah have a friendly relationship and, and in a weird way have similar sensibilities. Yeah, absolutely. I thought about including space camp on my list as well, but I haven't seen it, you know, at least, you know, maybe even when it first came out, like was that 86 or something? Yeah. It's probably the same year as fight of the navigator. And I'm sure I yeah. haven't seen them and space camp. I'm sure I only saw once, whereas fight of the navigator, I watched over and over again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's funny. And uh, yeah, to, to imagine just two idiots like Beavis and Butthead going to space camp, it's, it's a great setup. I mean, you know, yeah. it's an awesome place to go for, for Beavis and Butthead. Uh, but I'll go to my last puzzle piece. And this, much like her, is more of like a small piece, like individual scene kind of thing. But uh, when Beavis and Butthead are being chased by Serena and the, the government agents and they're driving backwards, I thought of Christopher Nolan's Tenet. So, uh, yeah. a, a big major blockbuster of the pandemic era. So I think it would probably be on the minds of the people making this. 
Yeah, I'm trying to imagine Beavis and Butthead in like a Christopher Nolan movie, and that that would be that would be amazing. just not understanding anything. Yeah. yeah, I mean that was most of the. I feel like a lot of the audience for Tenet. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. I mean that's the only way to enjoy those movies. Is yeah, to, uh, you know, not, to not understand them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just go along for it. So. Yeah, that that is. Uh, I would not have come up with that, but that's uh, that's a good one. Sure, All why not? Right. You got any more pieces? Uh, I have one more. And this is, I mean, maybe like Apollo 10 and a half, I shouldn't include it because I'm sure it was something that was developed concurrently. But talking about the idea of this as an oversized TV episode, I thought of the Bob's Burgers movie that came out recently, was in development for a long time. And and is another thing where you watch that and you're like, this isn't a great movie, but Mm -hmm. it really encapsulates everything enjoyable about the show. You know, you watch the Bob's Burgers movie and it's like, this is Bob's Burgers greatest hits. You know, Mm. we've seen basically versions of everything that they do in all the episodes of the show, but we're still enjoying it because it's it's familiar and we we like that. And this is the same case in Beavis and Butthead. I think uh, Jason Harris, again, on Letterboxd was kind of complaining about Cornholio and oh look what does he do he does the same thing he always does and like yeah, yeah. of course he does the same thing that he always does because he's Cornholio right. and we want to see Cornholio I feel like a lot of the complaints on Letterboxd are because there isn't enough familiar stuff people are like where is Mr. McVicker where is Tom Anderson where is Stuart where are all these supporting characters that we didn't get to see yeah. um, or you know a few of them show up in that courtroom scene at the beginning just sitting in the background and not saying anything and uh, Mr. Van Driesen, the hippie teacher, is really the only sort of recurring character from the show who gets any lines here. Sure. Um, I think someone mentioned, was there a Daria cameo? Is she in the courtroom scene? I didn't recall seeing her. I didn't notice that. No, but maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Because that yeah. certainly would be a big uh, a big thing. And Daria's, uh, her universe or whatever, is getting its own Paramount Plus movie revival with the Jody movie, which I, I don't really know how that's going to go, but uh, I, I need, I need, I need to screen cap that and, and post it on Twitter with my multiverse of madness. Right. I'll get, yeah. I'll, I'll those... get like a good dozen likes or something. That's, yeah. that's what it's all about. It's all about yeah. the likes. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I would have been happy to, and you know, you see in, in Beavis and Butthead do America, they're clearly trying to make sure to include little bits with all those recurring characters. And this time around, they didn't bother with it. And, and I was okay with it. And also because this is leading into, at some point, we don't know exactly when, uh, a whole revival series, and I imagine all those characters will show up uh, eventually on that. Yeah, and I, I would be down for it, you know? I, this, this movie proved to me that uh, I still love these characters, and there, there's a lot of really funny stuff to, to happen. And we didn't yeah. really talk about, like, you know all the additions to the cast. I mean, Gary Cole, I don't think was ever in Beavis and Butthead stuff before. Was he? No, no. He plays the, the like government agent who's at, basically he plays the Robert Stack character yeah. from Beavis and Butthead to America. Sure. I mean, a lot of other, uh, Mike judge regulars, Martin Starr, Stephen Rue, you know, uh, Nat Faxon, I believe was in some of his stuff before. Um, uh, I don't know, but yeah, I mean, Chris Diamantopoulos and Jimmy yes. O. Yang, who were both on Silicon Valley. And yep. yeah, I mean, he's obviously someone who people enjoy working with and will want to work with again. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll read down our list of the finished puzzle here and we'll get into some closing thoughts. Uh, we talked about Rick and Morty being there. We squeezed in an American pickle as well. Uh, Idiocracy, South Park, Bill and Ted Face the Music, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, Flight of the Navigator, Her, Space Camp, Tenet. And the Bob's Burgers movie. Uh, yeah, I like I said, it, it's just a really fun episode of Beavis and Butthead. And for that, 
you know, I love it for what it is. You, you talked earlier about the uh, the slight little bit of uh, character development with Beavis. I, I'm thinking also by head a little bit with the, uh, you know, the dad stuff, too. I mean, oh, that's yeah. maybe, maybe the slight, maybe even less slighter, but, <laughs> you know, or more slighter, I guess it would be. But, you know, but uh, there's something there, maybe. Yeah. Know. I mean, you don't want there to be too much because yes. you can't really change these characters. Right. But, yeah, there is that pathos when, yeah, Butthead is like, what you mean? My dad wasn't this terrible degenerate who left me like a slight indication that maybe these guys are so messed up because of their family we we do learn a bit more about beavis's mom Mm. in a really horrifying thing that that implies that she committed suicide or something because beavis disappeared and it's really kind of horrifying actually That shit is so dark. Hey, one other thing we didn't uh, we didn't comment on is uh, Beavis's dream sequence, basically of his girlfriend as a warrior and slicing all those heads off and stuff. That was a fantastic sequence as well. That Maybe was a heavy metal influence or something. Yeah, and also a, an insight into Beavis's perhaps like uh, sexually submissive personality. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Love it. Love More it. than we need to know about these guys, but not like just enough. Like I think we're saying that that you can see that that somebody has actually thought about the personalities of these characters and their psyches. Absolutely. <laughs> well, do you have any other uh, closing thoughts before we wrap it up? Uh, I think I've really we've really covered it all. I mean, you know, my my biggest complaint is is that it just doesn't feel m- movie enough. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I would have loved for it to be bigger with, you know, a, a stronger cast of of supporting characters and, you know, the animation feels like it's, you know, that it was announced a month ago and it was produced a month ago, which I'm sure is not quite right, but yeah. um it has that 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 rushed look of a lot of modern digital animation, so you know, I wish I'm sure Mike Judge would agree that I wish Paramount Plus had given him more money and more time, but that's just not the way that things are right now. To, to your point, I also want to just mention, uh, and, I, and I mentioned this in my letterbox review, uh, but another of my favorite things about this is at the end, and this is a spoiler, but of course we do spoilers on this, but you know, when Beavis is recounting like some of what he's gone through to get to Serena, and he's already forgotten a bunch of what's happened in the movie that we're watching, I just feel like that's the most perfect summation of like the content streaming era of movies right now. And I, I don't know, it's just great. Yeah, I mean, where it's all just sort of like a thing to throw out there and it doesn't need to make an impression on people in any way. And uh, I hope that I don't know what the structure of these like forthcoming episodes may be, but I hope that if they have something akin to Beavis and Butthead watching music videos like they used to have, that Mm -hmm. maybe this will give Mike Judge a chance to comment on on streaming content and maybe they'll get to watch other Paramount Plus content in some way. Um, And I'm sure he has something to say about that. So uh, I I look forward to that as well. Me too. Me too. Well, is there another movie you watched recently you'd like to recommend to our listeners? Yeah, I'm going to recommend. Well, we we either uh, just had or will have our top 10 uh, movies of the year so far episode out. Um, and this is a movie that I actually watched to catch up for that, but didn't include on my top 10 list. And it's not one of the top 10 movies of the year. Um, but I do want to recommend a movie called Off Season, which uh, recently premiered on Shudder. It did get, it had a little VOD release before that and now is is streaming on Shudder. Um, and it's from a director, uh, filmmaker named Mickey Keating, who is one of these guys that like, I... 
I like all his movies and they're all just like almost great. And I keep watching his movies, waiting for him to make the great movie. And he makes these horror movies and he's really stylistically diverse all within the horror genre. He's made different kinds of horror movies, uh, made a movie called Darling, a movie called Pod and uh, Carnage Park, all of which I would recommend are, are very different kinds of horror movies and are all really intriguing ideas and cool stylistically and good performances that just never quite get to that next level. And that's the same here for off season. Uh, it's got a great lead performance from Jocelyn Donahue, who horror fans remember probably as the star of Ty West's The House of the Devil. And mm. she gives kind of a similar performance here where she's wandering around a scary place for the whole movie. In this case, it's this like island, uh, isolated island town where her mother had grown up and she's returned uh, because her mother's grave has been desecrated and she's been called back and discovers all of this horrifying stuff about what really goes on in the town and the, the heritage. And it's very it's a very slow burn that I think people could get impatient with, but I, I thought it, it really held my interest. But again, it held my interest for like 80 minutes when I was like, it's coming, something is coming. Yeah. And then it just, the something that is coming is the movie ends. Um, mm. So it's not quite, it's got this kind of Lovecraftian Cthulhu stuff going on. And mm. I think if you're a horror fan, I would recommend it. And I recommend Mickey Keating in general. And I still look forward to what he does next. So that is called Off Season that's on Shudder. Awesome. Well, uh, it sounds pretty interesting. Uh, Josh, what's going on on Awesome Movie here? What isn't going on on Awesome Movie Year? Um, we never know. Well, we have returned to the 90s for our current season of Awesome Movie Year. We've done a lot of seasons on the 90s uh, thus far, which is, of course, a formative period for us as, uh, as movie fans, and I think for our audience as well. So we're talking about 1992 in our current season. We've got a lot of cool stuff. Uh, kicked off with an animated movie, much like Beavis and Butthead. We talked about, yeah. we've got Disney's Aladdin, which is again, either coming up or already has just come out depending on when this is being released, but we got a lot of other cool stuff coming up there. So check us out at awesomemovieyear.com at awesome movie year on Facebook and Instagram and awesome movie pod on Twitter. We've gotten a lot of great feedback from people on this forthcoming 92 season. I'm sure a lot of people who also listen to piecing it together. So we very much appreciate it, and we're looking forward to this whole season. Awesome. Everybody check out Awesome Movie Year. Yeah, it's going to be a great season. Uh, Josh, where can people find the rest of what you're up to? Uh, you can find my stuff, uh, joshbellhateseverything.com. There, there's some old stuff mostly there. At uh, Josh Bell Hates Everything on Facebook and at Signal Bleed on Twitter. And if you're in Las Vegas, you can catch me on KTNV channel 13 on uh, Fridays at 11 a.m. and listen to me on highway radio. Uh, you can hear me talking about Beavis and Butthead maybe if you just, just tune it's There's no, there's no set time. Just turn on highway radio and listen for like hours and then I'll show up. Nice. That, that's, that's the way that the uh, world works now. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Awesome. Josh, as always, thanks for being here. Uh, look forward to next time. I was trying to do some sort of, I wanted to get a double sexual innuendo there with something you said, but it didn't work. <laughs> it's the thought that counts. I'm Josh Bell. And I'm Jason Harrison. We co-host a podcast called Awesome Movie Year. Each season, we take a look back at an awesome year for movies, which is every year. We deep dive into these specific years and we pick out why they were such great years for films. We go over the biggest hits, the biggest flops, the best picture, and some personal picks, some cult classics. 
Years we've covered in past seasons include 1994, 2003, 1977, and 1984, and we've got all of film history to look forward to. So check us out at awesomemovieyear.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Beavis and Butthead Do the Universe. Thanks to Josh Bell for joining me on that one. And thank you to you for listening. If you enjoy what we're doing here on Piecing It Together, make sure you are subscribed wherever it is you're listening. And if you would, you know, want to maybe do us a little favor, you can hit that five-star button. Maybe leave a little review while you're at it. And don't forget to follow us on social media at PiecingPod on Twitter and Instagram. And you can join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. We also have a Patreon, the Produced by David Rosen Patreon, where I post bonus and advanced content from Piecing It Together, as well as exclusive bonus content from Awesome Movie Year, Josh's podcast. And we actually just posted a brand new exclusive episode on Raging Bull for our 1980 season. So that is up there on the Patreon right now and a bunch of advanced piecing it together episodes. And I will be posting some new music on there next week. So uh, check it out. It's patreon.com slash by David Rosen. Lots of great stuff over there. So let's uh, close this thing out with a piece of music like I always do. I was almost going to go with one of my comedy rap songs just because of Beavis and Butthead and just being so stupid. But uh, no, instead I'm going to go with a track that I think Beavis and Butthead would like. Uh, I'm going to go with Burnout from my album Head Like Fire. I'm sure I've played this before, but uh, I, think, uh, I think the guys would like jam into this in their living room. So this is Burnout from my album Head Like Fire. Hope you enjoy it. We'll be back with more Piecing It Together real soon.
an All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.